everyone doing? See some smiles, some uh, okay faces, some uh, in between. Well, welcome today. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's our joy to be here. It's my joy to be here. I'll speak for myself, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, been, um, it's been just an incredible journey, and I feel like, um, you know, with this rain is, is kind of similar to how sometimes my life feels like up and down. It's like it's on, and then it's off, and it's on, and it's off. And, and this week in particular, you know, if you've ever taken some time to, to teach something or um, some of you have, have had the experience of giving a lesson or preaching or something, and, and God has this way that he always, he likes to, like, teach you while you're preparing to teach and uh, this week was no different for me where I really felt like man I'm feeling like this passage that we're going to get into that there's such a a busyness there's there's so much that is uh, left and right and in front of us and behind us and and it's pulling at us there's so many distractions and yet in that I look at Jesus and there's just this peace and this calm and uh, there's this focus and this uh, purpose. And I think that's what we're going to see today. So would you join me as, as we pray and open up this time of uh, getting into the word? Lord God, we thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for the peace and quiet, the silence even in between the things the pauses. Lord, we thank you for your word that it is alive. It is amazing. It is truly alive and it speaks to each one of us. And so this morning as we continue in the gospel of Luke, Lord, it's my prayer, it's my request that, that you would open our eyes to this scripture that you would quiet our minds and and settle our hearts, that we would be able to be present with you and your word. That we would even lower our guard, lower our guard, Lord God, that, that we would be able to receive what you have for us. So God, we, we pray that you would increase our faith, increase our trust, that you would speak to us this morning from your word. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome again. Uh, you know, if you've been with us this year, then you know already we are going through the gospel of Luke. And this is, um, you know, this is the, the word of God. This is the story of Jesus told by Dr. Luke. And, and Luke is, he's recounting all these different um, instances. He's, he's recounting all these um, stories that he's heard. He's, he's gone and done the research. He's interviewed and he's, he's read and he's seen all these people that were with Jesus and he's heard the stories and, and he is compiling this into a letter to his friend. And we get to hear that. We get to listen and that we get to learn from that, that these are the things that, that he felt were important to relay. Last week, Pastor Toby, he, he shared with us a, about Jesus returning to his hometown. And, you know, in his hometown, they knew him. They remembered him as his young child. 
And they were stuck on that. They saw that he was doing these amazing things and he was, his teaching was so deep and, and man, there's power in this. And then they got stopped. They said, wait, but isn't this Jesus? Isn't this Mary and, and Joseph's son? Isn't this that, that guy that we saw growing up and running around? And isn't he just a normal guy? And their faith ceased. And Jesus was unable to do the things that he was able to do in other places because there was such a lack of faith. And as he continued teaching, they were actually offended. They were upset and they sought to kill him. They, they, they tried to run him out of town, really, right? And so that's where we pick up is that as Jesus has kind of been run out of his hometown, that's where we're at. And if you have your Bibles, Luke four thirty-one through 44. It'll be up here as well. It says, Then he went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. And from where he was at, you can see on this map that will come up. Well, where he was in his hometown in, in Nazareth, right? It's literally going down the hill, down the mountain to to Capernaum, which is, uh, you know, the Sea of Galilee. So he's really, literally, it's when it says, then he went down to Capernaum, he went down to Capernaum. And, uh, uh, and as he comes there, on the Sabbath, this is the day of, of rest, and they, they're just like, you guys are here on your weekend, right, on your day or your time of rest from work, most of you, then you're coming into service and we're worshiping together. We're listening to the word. And so Jesus was there in the synagogue and he taught the people. And it says they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. Now, Sabbath or the Jewish word would be or how they would say is Shabbat. And that's something that Jewish people still practice today. In fact, it's a big part of their identity and and who they are. And, uh, you know, this is something that maybe you've heard, oh, the Sabbath is a day of rest, right? Just like God rested on that seventh day. Uh, but it's not just a time of rest where it's just like, hey, let's hang out and, and relax and watch football or do something like that. So um, in order to help us kind of get a better picture of this, I, I found a video on YouTube. This is uh, from an organization that helps to educate people about Judaism. So if we can run that clip uh, it's a little over a couple minutes, but but notice the different things that are being done. It's not just a, a ceasing of everything. It's actually, there's a lot of doing, but it's specific, specific in what's being done. So let's go ahead. So maybe you're Jewish and wondering how to get started doing this Shabbat thing. Or maybe you're not Jewish and you want to better appreciate what your friend is up to or why your coworker leaves early on Fridays. Let's look at two things. Why people do Shabbat and how? Okay, so why? It's the single most important building block of living a Jewish life, according to pretty much everyone. The Torah explains in chapter 1 that God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day, ceased from creating. So to mark that, and appreciate creation, Jews cease creating things as well. We live life in the realm of space, going places, making things, buying and fixing stuff. We have to focus on the physical world on a day-to-day -day basis, and sure, we can do it mindfully. But Shabbat is a maneuver into the world of time. Letting go of making and buying and fixing is entering what Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel famously called 
a palace in time. It's hard to set aside the phone, the email, the cleaning, the errands, but that's the whole point, to set aside the time for something holy. It not only connects you to God, but also to yourself and the whole of the Jewish people. It creates a rhythm to life with the seventh note of rest time. Now, to the how. People talk about Shabbat being a day of not working or a day of rest. Jewish tradition actually defines 39 categories of creating-ish work, planting, building, hoisting stuff around, that you're supposed to refrain from on Shabbat. And traditionally observant Jews extrapolate from that to mean no emails, no errands, no driving, cooking, or using technology. It's more than what's not done. Making Shabbat, or as we might hear it said, keeping Shabbos, means making sacred time. People bring in Shabbat by lighting candles at sundown and go from a dinner with challah and wine and singing to a morning maybe spent at services hearing about the Torah portion to a big lunch with friends or a picnic in the park. There are naps, strolls around the neighborhood, books, text study, games, lots of low-key pastimes. It ends at nightfall on Saturday with a candle-putting-out ritual called Havdalah. There are tons of ways to celebrate Shabbat. And if you want to know more specifics about challah, candles, or songs, or how to say some of the blessings, we have plenty of resources for you. Heschel said that things do not lend significance to a moment. It is the moment that lends significance to things. Taking a day to live this way can bring a sense of wholeness, or in Hebrew, shalom. So let's end with a wish for Shabbat shalom. All right, so... You can see there that it's not just a ceasing of like, hey, I'm not going to work, right? I'm not going to go into the office. I'm, I'm not going to, uh, you know, do like chores or something like that. But it's really there's a whole lot of doing. But that doing is with purpose. It's with intention. And I love that quote that it's, it's like creating this, this palace of time, right? That, that it's this intentional creation of space, and when, you know, when I was in seminary, I was <clears throat> given an assignment of, you know, <clears throat> Sabbath is, is from Friday night to Saturday night. And, and, hey, why don't you experience this and practice Sabbath and list all the things you're, <clears throat> you're going to refrain from doing. You know, like they might prepare all the food be- beforehand so that when they <clears throat> are ready to celebrate, they just bring it out. You know, there's a lot of different things that there's a preparation, a lead up to this time of rest, and I can tell you that that was near impossible for me, um, especially with, with two active kids, and, you know, my family is used to doing things, going places on the weekend, and and um, I tried to do it, but I, I mean, I can admit I didn't really do it 100%, like, it was just so hard to refrain from doing things, to create that space and I was really only able to experience, you know, a, a couple hours or blocks of time where I was doing the things that, that I had been requested to do as part of that class. And, and when I was writing about that, a lot of my thought and reflection was how hard it was. You know, even in myself, just taking a pause. Right? Have you ever been somewhere and maybe you're in a, a, your life group and it's like, hey, let's close in prayer, and uh, we'll leave it open, right? That could be a good thing or a really bad thing when it's like, hey, just leave it open. <laughs> and, and you don't know, like, who's going to pray or is nobody going to pray? Or, and sometimes there's just this, like, silence. You might say it's an awkward silence. 
it's awkward for us because we're not used to that, right? We're used to just keep on moving, keep on moving, keep on moving, right? In fact, that's what we see, and you know this with technology, right? With, with these things, uh, you know, my, my mother is visiting from Japan. It was kind of funny that um, kind of one of the first things she, she did was she, she came into our, our laundry room and was, you know, looking at the, the washer and stuff, and then when Caroline came home, she was like, oh, you know, Bachan's like the laundry queen. She loves doing laundry, you know, and she's kind of commenting on that. And, um, you know, it, it's it's just like, I forgot my, my train of thought. I was remembering all this stuff. But, um, all right, that's awesome. So that's awkward. <laughs> um, it was a good point, too. Well, all right, you guys missed out uh, next time. So... So Sabbath, you know, we, we have this thing where, where we experience Sabbath. And um, for us, oh, technology, that's what I was going with, is, is that, that we have these inventions that's like it's going to make our life better, right? That there used to be wash day, right? You would take a day to wash your clothes because you it was such a thing. You'd hang them out and all air dry, all that stuff, right? But now it's like, no, you just throw it in the washer. You throw it in the dryer, and that's it. You, and what do we do? It's not like we use that like, yes, I get wash day to now be reading day. Like, no, it's like I got other stuff to do, right? And, and we see this, that, that increasingly as technology comes about and things are supposed to make our life easier, they just open it up for more stuff to be done. And so I think, like, I feel that. Like, this week I felt that. It's like this wearing down of, man, we're doing so much, right? We're doing so much. More and more and more and more, year after year. There's just more being done, right? And so that silence is almost like it's not just awkward. It almost becomes an enemy, like, like we can't take that pause, right? You feel lazy. You feel like, what am I doing? It's awkward. And yet that's what was being done and practiced and still being practiced is is this command of keeping the Sabbath. And so from Saturday night, I mean Friday night to Saturday night, there's time carved out for God, for family, for tradition, for focusing on the Lord. And in this time, Jesus is is giving the sermon, right? He's it's he's like here giving the sermon and what happens? It says they were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. And when you see that, that, that word amazed, because it's used often in Jesus' ministry when he's preaching or when he gives a lesson, uh, it might say, oh, the people were amazed or they were astounded or, you know, what that's coming from, that, that original word that they used, this, this root is talking about, it means like strike, like you get hit. Like his preaching, it like hit them. And they were like shocked. Like they were stunned. They were like, whoa. And how many of you have been metaphorically like punched in the face by the word of God? Like you're just like, oh my goodness. That got me. You know, there's many times when I, I hear a message or I read the Bible or maybe I'm in a time of worship and it just, God's word, it hits me with conviction. It hits me. It, it strikes me. It like stops me where I'm at. Leaves me speechless. That's what happened to these people. That they were amazed. Jesus gave the message in this time of Sabbath. As they're focusing on the Lord. And these people in this synagogue are just, oh man, wow. 
They're struck by his words, by his teaching. And then, in that moment of, wow, word of God, wow, then we see distraction come about. Verse 33, it says, In a synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit. He cried out at the top of his voice, Go away! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them, before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words are these? Uh, what words these are? With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits and they come out. And the news about him spread throughout the surrounding area. I think that it's so, like, typical <laughs> that it's like in this moment of amazement, of being floored by the word of God, of just this deep, deep, profound teaching, and the people are impacted, then what happens? Here comes the distraction. Here comes the diversion. Here comes the enemy. And we see that that this manifestation, this demon is, is starting to... to to speak out. And part of that, you know, we're, the, this demon is saying, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. A lot of scholars talk about that, that in that time, that when they're dealing with spirits or dealing with people, there was a belief that when you, if you knew what that spirit was, if you called that out by name, then you had power over it. That it was like, oh, I know who you are. Boom, that's who you are. I've identified you. Now you have to, you, you know, I have authority over you. And so this is a failed attempt from that demon saying, I know who you are. You are the son of God. You're the holy one of God. It does nothing to Jesus, right? He just says, in the NIV, it says, be quiet, right? But it's really, it's a sharp word. It's almost like, man, shut up. Like, you know, it's, it's very like, Brief and sharp, and it is abrasive. It's like, hey, shut up. Get out of here. He doesn't spend a lot of time like, hey, what's your name? Let's talk about this. Why are you showing up in the, after my sermon? Like, He's just like, no, get out. Right? He doesn't give him that time. But that right there, it says all the people were amazed and said to each other, again, they're floored. Right? They're just like, wow, what words these are what authority and power he has, that he's even commanding these spirits and they come out. Because, you know, like maybe you've seen things or you've heard things, but in this time there was like, you know, rituals and people would do different things and they would do, you know, they would like hold a ring under the person's nose or say these different kind of phrases and stuff trying to get the demons to come out, right? And yet Jesus just very simply and just powerfully just, you know, be quiet and get out of here, right? And immediately they obey. And I think there's a, a couple things in here. If you look at, at some of the other Gospels, it, when it talks about this section, it says they were amazed about Jesus' power, his authority, and, and they contrast it saying it was unlike the teachers of the law. You know, it was unlike these other teachers. And, and the, the, 
the kind of normal practice was that they, the teachers, they, it was dry. It was full of citations, like quoting. You know, it's like everything was quoted from someone else, right? It's like if I came here and I just, you know, was like, hey, you know what? According to great Pastor Jones of this city and in this place, Luke was describing this time when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, and it was a wonderful teaching. And Dr. Smith said the people were amazed. They were just amazed. So you should be amazed. It's amazing, right? (laughs) And -and so-and-so said this about this instance. You know, and everything is citations because that person on their own did not have the authority, did not have the the respect, did not have maybe uh, the, the accomplishments, or they didn't feel like they did. You know, so you have that type of teaching versus Versailles. Man, can you imagine this? Can you imagine the people come to church and Jesus is giving a sermon, right? And everyone, it's like he just gives the word. Everyone is, man, that was awesome. And then all of a sudden in the back, you see this, this, you know, you hear this manifestation, this demon starts crying out like that would be a crazy church service, right? (laughs) That would. Right? And then the and then the pastor is just like, hey, shut up, get out of here. And then it's gone. You're like, whoa. Right? You'd be like, hey, when's your next service? I'm gonna come back. Right? There's just a simplicity, a power. Why? Because Jesus had this authority. Right? He was the authority. And now I got a slide, it, it's got some hieroglyphics on here. Um, at least one of you recognizes this. Oh yeah. Yeah, so so this is uh, some of Wenchai's work. You know, I looked up. I don't have no idea what that means. You know, but but I I'm gonna say according to Dr. Wenchai, this is true. So you guys read this and nod your head, right? So you guys here, when you see me talking about this, you already know. Even if I didn't say anything, you would like, dude. This dude doesn't know anything. Like his highest math was like algebra or geometry. Like he doesn't. Under- I don't understand any of that. Right. You guys are laughing, but you don't understand it either, right? <laughs> but, but the next thing, all right, let's go to the next slide. This is about 10 minutes from here. This is Ember Barbecue. This is probably the best barbecue I've had in this area, okay? I mean, it's not the best I've ever had, but it is, it is pretty good. Like these onion rings, legit, the brisket, the ribs, it's pretty good. You guys check it out, Ember Barbecue. I'm not being paid or anything like that, but, you know, I... I I respect good food. So maybe you feel like, okay, I'm going to go check that place out for lunch, right? Because I understand, like, I have some authority in food. Like, I, you know, <laughs> nobody's afraid of my Yelp reviews or anything like that, but, but I have more authority in that, right? And so the words that I speak, like, people go to restaurants because I'm like, man, check out that restaurant. It's good. I went there. It was amazing, right? <laughs> and so this authority... You can change it. People are going to start getting hungry and stuff. You can you go back. Um, but see, when the person has authority in something and they're speaking, right, it has a power to it. It has an impact. And that's what Jesus had. That he comes into the synagogue. He comes into the church. He gives a message. And the people just know, like, wow, he's got authority. And furthermore, when you see this kind of acting up of the enemy, then Jesus just silences it. And then it's even more like, wow, he really has authority. 
right? Let's continue, verse 38. It says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Now this is Simon. You guys know who Simon is? This is Simon, a.k.a. Peter, right? Like Dwayne Johnson's, a.k.a. The Rock, right? But this is <laughs> Simon, a.k.a. Peter, which means The Rock. And so you have Simon, The Rock. This is his family. His mother-in-law is sick. And the people are saying, man, she's really sick, right? There's an urgency here. She's really sick. And, and that fever is like, the word described is like fire, like she is burning up. Like this is a serious illness. If we look at the other Gospels, it doesn't just say that, that Jesus here, he says he, she kind of came near to her. He bent over her. He rebuked the fever and it left. Like if you look at some of the other Gospels, it says she, he actually came to her. He touched her hand or he held her hand. And then the sickness left. That same thing, in the beginning of what we read today, it says that the spirit was rebuked and it left, right? And here, the fever is rebuked and it left. So I'll, I'll say that, that, you know, not every sickness is caused by, you know, spiritual things, but this one was, right? And not every time, like, I think there's a lot of, the, in, in our history, there's probably been, a lot of mental illness and different things played off as, as, oh, it's a spiritual thing. And people tried to cast it out and, and, and incorrectly diagnosed maybe. But So not everything is spiritual in that sense. But there's a lot more things that I think are spiritual than we would like to think, right? And so Peter's mother-in-law is, is being afflicted by this sickness, this illness. And it is an urgent thing. It is a serious thing. And Jesus, the man with authority, he comes, he recognizes right away, right? Because he doesn't come and say, oh, you know, I suggest you get her some more water. You know, let's, you know, do this, give her some more rest, find these herbs, and, you know, it'll be okay. Maybe find some essential oils and we'll diffuse it in and <laughs> she'll be better in the morning, right? No, he rebukes the fever and it leaves, right? He casts it out. Jesus has the authority, and I think in that, he shows us that as his authority, his connection, there is clarity, right? There is such a clarity, and so she's healed. She's healed so completely that she gets up, she begins to serve, right? And she's like, I'm good, now I can start serving. She begins to wait on them, right? It's amazing. And I think I remember Pastor Toby's sermon, you know, and thinking that, you know what? It's like we have been freed. Why? Not so we can just be like, oh, cool, I'm free. And God set me free. Amen. Praise the Lord. No, he's freed us so that we can bring freedom to others, so that we can serve, so that we can make an impact, right? Because when you're laid out in bed and you're sick and you're in this fever, you can't do anything, right? But she gets freed and what does she do? Right away, she gets back to it. She begins to serve. Let's continue. Verse 40, it says, At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each other, he healed them. 
Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At sunset, they came. Right? Remember, we have this timeline of Sabbath, the Shabbat, the Friday night, Saturday morning. They get the message from, from Jesus in the synagogue. Now, sunset. Because what is that? That's the end. Right? This whole time from Friday night to Saturday morning, I mean Saturday night, that whole time, Uber is not running. You cannot get a lift, right? You can't find a taxi. So these sick people, they can't get transported. They can't get to where Jesus is. But sunset comes and then they came, right? And so as soon as it was okay for them to travel, they came to Jesus. He began to heal them. And again, this interesting thing happens that these demons that were hidden, that were affecting, afflicting these people, they could not help but react to the presence of Jesus, right? Like if you've ever lifted up a rock somewhere and there's like little bugs, they like run away, right? It's like they flee because in the light, it's, they've been exposed. And so they begin to come out and they start to shout. You know, I kind of imagine they're they're trying to mess up what Jesus is doing. It's not the time, right? It's not time yet. Jesus is not saying, hey, yeah, here I am, the Messiah. Like, he has work still to do before he's proclaiming these things. And yet they're coming, they're saying, what do you want, right? Some people think it was also, it was more like a surprise. Like, the demons knew he was coming back, but they didn't think he was coming until the very end. When it was all going to end. And so they thought, hey, we got this free time to just run around and do whatever. And they're like, whoa, what are you doing here? It's not time yet. Why are you here? Are you trying to push that time? Like, what's going on, right? They were kind of freaking out. I also think that, you know, Jesus, he doesn't want people to know, hey, he's the Messiah. How do you know that? Because the demons are testifying about that, Right? Whatever reason, they begin to, to speak out, and he silences them. It's not time. He silences them. He quiets them. And I think he really, it's almost like, you know, I, I feel like as I read this, it's almost like he doesn't pay them much attention, right? Because I think sometimes we do that. Our culture does that. There's this awe. There's this interest in things of the demonic, of the occult, and, and, and even in those movies when it's like, oh, it ends up okay, right? But what is the whole bulk of the movie? It's like giving respect and fear and power to these things of the enemy. Where Jesus is like, we're not even going to play that. We're not even going to talk about it. I'm not even going to give you a message about the demons. It's just be quiet, get out of here. You're done. I don't have time for that, right? And he doesn't give them that respect. He doesn't give them that status of, oh, you're, you're a, a big, it's just get out of here, right? And I think we can learn from that too, is that a lot of those things, you know, when you begin to fear our enemy, it's wise to know your enemy. But that fear, that crippling fear of, oh man, I'm so scared of it. I'm so, like, you have power in the Lord, right? He has overcome the one who's in the world. Everything that we've read so far this year about Jesus You know, in the wilderness, he's facing Satan. There's no question. He is a man. He has authority. He defeats the enemy each time. 
that they interact. And here again, there's these demons that are coming out. He just silenced them. Let's move on. Right? So this brings us to, to this final portion. It's this final piece of this passage that we're looking at today. And I think this is such a key. This is such a model for us in, in you know, how we need to live our life. And it's so hard. It really is. But let's, let's read this together. Verse 42. At daybreak, together, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And so we see that, that Jesus, who has had this powerful weekend of ministry, right? That he has preached amazing sermons. He has healed people, has cast out demons. The people are amazed by what he's doing. Unlike the te- other teachers of the law, right? They are just amazed by him, floored by him. They've been struck by the word of God and they are hungry for more. And they are seeking him out. I mean, maybe you guys can't relate, but I know that as a pastor, it's like, man, that's a that's like a good dream. And then you wake up. It's like you give a message and everyone's like, man, we want more. Teach us more. Right. Instead of like, man, I'm trying to get that barbecue you showed, like hurried up. Right. <laughs> it's it's just like, man, that's so awesome. And, and Jesus in this place of being in demand that that people are saying, man, we're looking for him. We want more of him. Don't leave. Don't leave. Jesus makes a time uncomfortably. He at daybreak, right? The idea is that everyone else is still sleeping and he's up at daybreak. He goes out to a solitary place to spend that time with his father, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in the quiet, in the silence, away from the busyness, to reconnect, to refocus, to see what am I supposed to do? And I believe that it's out of that that he really, you know, that's his authority. That's where it's this increase. That's where his clarity is, this increase in clarity. He knows without a doubt that when they come to him and all this pressure of, man, you're doing an amazing job. We don't want you to leave. Stay here with us. Teach us more. You're awesome. And he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. I can't stay here. You guys are great. I can't stay here because I know that my mission, the reason why I'm here is I need to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God and I got to keep moving. Right? Even on to places that they don't, you know, they might not like me. I got to keep moving. That's my mission. It's not about being comfortable. It's not about, hey, I found this place where I'm accepted or, hey, things are going good or, or man, it's been more successful than ever before. It's, I have a mission, a purpose. I've been placed here for a reason, and I'm going to do that. And I believe that for, for myself, for many of you, you know, as a pastor, a lot of people come, they say, you know, I need help finding what is the will of God for my life? What am I supposed to do next? How am I supposed to live out my calling, right? Maybe you have those same questions. I've been there many times. Are you spending the time 
Are you carving out time to rest, to be with the Lord? Not just to speak what's on your mind, but to listen, to let the silence become your friend, to wait on the Lord. If you haven't, then I would say, maybe it's time to schedule that in. Like like the Jewish people, schedule in Sabbath, right? Shabbat. From, they know it's coming every week. It's part of their life. It's who they are. That's how important it is, right? Maybe it's time to start doing those things. Because I think it's in that withdrawing, that refocusing, that time of not just, hey, I'm going to be by myself and, and be in a black hole somewhere, a dark room. Like, no, it's, you saw the video, you know, it's very intentional in the things that they're doing, but they're life-giving things. There's things that are done in community and with the Lord, right? But out of that, I believe that over and over and over and over again, Jesus was reminded by the Father, Son, this is why you're here. This is why you're here. It's for this reason, for this purpose. And so there was never a question there's never a time in the gospel that you find when Jesus asks, you know, hey, do this, do that, where he's like, oh, let me think about that. He's like, no, I know why I'm here. I know what I'm supposed to do. And that's what I'm going to do. And no circumstance, good or bad, could persuade him to go away from that, right? So for all of us, you know, this week, that, you know, the Word of God is amazing because as we've read through this small portion of Scripture, maybe something else speaks to you. And that's what I find in my life group is as we go over this passage, everyone has something else that kind of stands out to them, right? And it's awesome to hear that and discuss it and to really go through the Word. And this is what stood out to me this week. As I studied this passage, it's this idea of withdrawing of intentional time with the Lord. So this week, and we're going to end it here. This week, um, I, I want to give you a weekly challenge. And we always do this for a reason, right? Because you can come here every week, and you can hear, and you can listen, and, and you can learn. But if it doesn't impact your life, it really doesn't matter, right? It's like if you watch uh, or read, you know, a thousand books of, about health and, and exercise, and, and you never do anything, it doesn't matter, right? You just have all this information. Let it impact your life. So, so our challenge this week is to know, to read Luke 4, 31 to 44. Now, I was encouraging you to imagine being present in each of these situations. How would you feel? What would that be like, right? And if, you're, if you look in your Bible, there's usually a cross-reference. It'll tell you the, the parallel um, passages. Basically, it's the same event being told by different people other gospel writers like matthew and mark uh, talk about this so you can look those up as well Uh, but read this and imagine being there number two grow consider how god has affected your life do you feel like you have been set free from anything like like um peter's mother-in-law right she was set free from this fever and, and right away she gets to it she begins to serve Do you feel like God has set you free from anything? And what are you doing about that? Are you serving? Are you using that? Are you, um, you know, active after that? Or are you just like, cool, I'm free. Great. 
overflow. How do you deal with silence? Spend time alone with God this week. Take time to read the word, pray, and listen. Remember, you can only overflow, this idea of overflow, that, that we get filled up from the Lord and we spread that, right? You can only overflow if you've first been filled up. All right, why don't we close? Team, you guys can come, come up. Um, join me in prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, I'm the first to, to confess that it is so hard to, to carve out time. Because in my mind, I feel like I'm, I'm making time to do nothing. But the reality is that, that that's not true, that I'm making time for you. And so, Lord, for each of us here, it's my prayer that, that we, would, we would begin to, to face these things, that we would begin to interact with this idea of Sabbath, of true Sabbath, not just a day away from the office or from school or whatever it is that we do from the Monday through Friday, but that we would spend time to not just cease doing our normal activities, but that we would spend time focused on you. Because, Lord, I know that it's in that time that you will bring refreshment to our soul, that you would help us to know what our purpose is. And I know that as we grow closer to you and we grow in the knowledge of who you are in our own identity, our trust, our faith, and our authority will also grow. Because you've called us as your children to make an impact in our communities, to make an impact in the atmosphere around us, to make an impact in our families, with our friends, with our co-workers. Everywhere we go, we are your people. And so, Lord, let it be. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.